Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So Zach Bryan has the number one song in the country right now. Yeah. He is a country star, but... Crossing over. The last couple of days, it's been more about rap, as in rap sheet. <laughs> uh, well done. You know what? I'm not going to protest that one too much. So um, yes. he's been arrested once, and he's been handcuffed twice. Uh, yeah, all over... Um, some driving incidents uh, while he was in Oklahoma. We should say, this is a bizarre story on so Very many bizarre. levels. Uh, so he, as Harvey said, handcuffed twice. Uh, the first incident, and by the way, we broke the story yesterday that he was arrested. What he was arrested for was obstruction. We didn't know at the time when we broke the story exactly what had happened. Um, and Zach so we're gonna take you to, offered it up. We're gonna take you to Oklahoma right now, because yes. that's where this all started. So Zach is in Oklahoma, and the first incident, um, he says he's a couple days ago, driving along, and he says, this, this is kind of the, you know, I only had two beers, officer. So they were going like four or five miles over the speed limit. And a cop sees me, and he stops me. And pulls him over, and this is what happened. I drive by this cop. I was going like four or five over. He pulls me over. Uh, he comes to my window. First, things he, first thing he asks for is license, registration, uh, and my address. And I told him, I said, hey, man, I don't really feel comfortable giving you my address. Uh, I'm a musician, and I just, I'm not comfortable with it. So he says, if you don't give me your address, uh, I'm going to have to take you to jail. And I'm like, man, I, I'm not going to give you my address. So he tells me to step out of the vehicle. He puts handcuffs on me, and uh, I'm like, man, what the hell is going on? I ended up, like, abiding by what he was saying. We kept, we kept talking. He finally took my handcuffs off. He uh, gave me a warning because, I mean, I wasn't going too fast or anything. And then he, he let me go because I just started respecting him and being cordial. There's a point I want to make about what he just said. I'm going to defer it because it's going to become relevant for the second for stop. the second stop. So now, cut to uh, yesterday, Zach says he wakes up and decides that he wants to go see his Philadelphia Eagles, his favorite team, uh, play now remember, he's the Patriots. He, and he's in, he's in Oklahoma, and the game's being played in Boston. But he's going to drive. So he calls his security and says, all right, we're driving to, uh, <laughs> driving to Foxborough. I'm going to the game this weekend. And he drives in one car, and he has a bodyguard who's driving in another car behind him. He says he looks in the rearview mirror and realizes, uh-oh, my bodyguard just got pulled over. So the cop pulls over his bodyguard. And Zach comes Zach back. loops around and says he is... He parks his car behind them, behind the, the police officer and his bodyguard, and gets out of his car and is watching and waiting for this stop to like, like end. Fif like 15 minutes go right. by, and so he's clearly getting frustrated. Here's how here's it ends up with him in cuffs. The cop comes up to me, and he's like, sir, get back in your vehicle. And I'm like, I'm not the one getting pulled over. Please, like, what do you? He's like, get back in your vehicle, or I'm going to have to take you to jail. And like, like a dumbass, I said, take me to jail what do you mean i get too lippy with him he brings me over to his car and i i just didn't help my situation at all i felt like a child it was ridiculous it was immature so he, he gets me in these cuffs man and they're tight and he puts me in his front seat and we're just all going back and forth and he says hey man i'm gonna tell you this and if you like don't interrupt me and i was like well after you're done i'm gonna say my piece he's like okay he started talking i interrupted him naturally because i was just angry so he said, I'm going to take you to jail. And he, he took me to jail. And um, I was in jail for a few hours. Uh, when I got there, it kind of like lightened up because I just kind of cooled off a little bit. Here's so he ends up getting booked for obstruction. So I want to go back to the first incident. So 
What he's not saying about the second incident is, did he just get out of the car and stand, stand there, there? And did the cop come up and say, get in your car? Or was he hollering at the cop? Or was he, he hollering was saying, why are you, you're, you're harassing this guy 50 We don't know yet because the police report at the time we're doing this has not yet been released. The reason I want to go back to that first incident is the cop had said to him, um, I need your address. Most people would say, I know I have to give it because I got stopped. Right. And he is kind of being defiant, saying, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm a musician. Right. And so Which is it's, another way of saying, I'm a celebrity. I'm not giving you. Kind of. It's, it's kind and, of, a, and, I'm a celebrity. I'm not giving you my And address. it makes you think, why did that cop in the second incident say, get in your car? Was he just standing there or was he doing You're something? You're saying you think he was, because he was lippy the he first time, he was probably And he said he was lippy, lippy the second time. He right. said he interrupted the cop and knew he shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. look, that's the missing piece here. And we're hearing from Zach Bryan, but there's going to potentially be a body cam uh, footage, maybe a dash yeah. cam that catches this interaction a little bit more. And when someone is pulled over, you're allowed to observe it as a, as a bystander, but you're not allowed to obstruct the investigation. They've started an investigation with someone else, and a lot of officers get jittery that their safety is imperiled if someone else is agitated behind them so they'll often say get in your car we'll have to see exactly what zach was doing that prompted the officer to say get in your car but while it's, I do it, this. it's I, doubtful he was just standing there it sounds doubtful to me i mean at least he might have been yelling like hey what the hell's taking so long right. or something along those lines that prompted the officer to sort of jump in we can't just take zach Bryan's word for it but when i heard his description of this and remember he didn't have to post this video at all so he clearly wanted to get out in front of it and it would just, it seems strange to me that he would make up a story he when he make, knows that there's, no, he make didn't make up. up. His, he just left out. Maybe. Yeah, no, I don't think okay. he made it up. I think he might have just put a favorable spin on the interaction and maybe we'll see more of what objectively happened from a dash cam or a body cam. That's you know, all. It seems strange to me that he would omit or spin the story when he knows full well, one, police report's going to come out. Two, there may be, there likely is body cam. So it doesn't suit him. If he's getting out in front of it, don't tell something that is going to be completely refuted when the video comes out, because that's going to be even worse for you. Right. And I do believe that he is trying to make, he's trying to make this go away, right? He, he feels he was in the wrong. He wants to own up to it and, and move on. Okay. That may be true. And I but, think he got screwed. Well, behold, I think but, the guy got screwed but, but based on, on what he said. I think what he said is probably all true. It's what he left out I get it. that and we I, don't know. And, I know. And, and, and I'm I think, saying I don't think he's lying by omission. I, well, I may be proven wrong. So you think he was just standing there and the cop said, get in the car, and then said, what's the obstruction then? If what's he the did something else, why not say that? Because he does, because it may Has not. Has a lawyer told him don't admit that? If I were his publicist, <laughs> I would say, look, if the police are going to come out with their narrative, you blunt it first and apologize and say I was a dumbass, which he said. But don't give the detail of it because, because you're going to end up in court. And that's you don't right. Wanna... Exactly. All right. Maybe. Well, I'm Michael Jenkins at DC. Here's what I think. Yeah, he overreacted, but also I'm from a small town in Texas, and there is a possibility two arrests in 24 hours, same town, Vanita, Oklahoma, that these cops love nothing more than to pull over a big name and make a name for themselves. And also, what's really funny is that he has a number one hit called something in the orange and had this charge been, <laughs> more, been more stringent or harsher he would have been something in the orange so all the way around it's a bizarre story it is a bizarre story but just one final thing to kind of close the loop here good mugshot <laughs> i mean it is a good mugshot 
Don't you think? As mug shots as go? As mug shots go. I think it's a good one. Pretty good. Okay, we're going to move on. Yes, uh, moving on now to the much-anticipated Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion sequel. It definitely plays like a sequel. They've been teasing the song Bongos all week with the artwork and Cardi sending out CDs to fans. Cool video. The video and song finally dropped last night and uh, fans are <laughs> reacting much the way they did when their song came out a few years ago. That was a huge hit. <laughs> but uh, it is kind of in the same vein. Yeah, the lyrics are just as filthy, which I don't know if that's I don't think they're or not. as filthy. That's I mean, they're debatable. they're pretty up there. But look, their first hit together was like iconic, and this one is is good and it's catchy too. Um, and the colors of this music video are absolutely beautiful. Lots of great response online. But by the way, uh, I think you guys will like this. Aside from how hot they look, there's a scene. Um, let me see if it comes up where Make the Stallion is on the pool dancing. That house in the background is a historic house. I just realized it's where The Godfather was filmed and William huh. Randolph Hearst used to live there with Marion Davis. So, oh. wait, 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 is this in Luz Obispo? No, it's in Beverly Hills. Mm. So very famous house that they're like dancing in front of. I was like, wow, all right. God, all they needed was a horse head to complete there it. There it is. The horse head? <laughs> yep, there no, it is No, there's right there. the shot of the house. <laughs> Hey, it's DJ Richie Valentino calling from Long Island, New York. Listen, I think that we're in a beautiful, beautiful place in hip-hop right now to see Cardi B collaborating with Meg Thee Stallion. The video was amazing. I think that it's really good to see Cardi kind of come. She's really known for her collaborations. She had a lot of great collaborations this year. This video came, uh, did very, really, really well. I think that it would have been dope to see maybe if the director put styrofoam microphones yeah. <laughs> in there that they're probably, probably throwing at her. I agree with Charlie. I love the colors in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a really cool video. Kim Kardashian is reaching out to President Biden by way of um, a, an op-ed that she wrote for Rolling Stone magazine, where she calls out President Biden uh, and saying that he and other uh, leaders here in the U.S. need to do more to prevent another genocide in Armenia. Um, and she lays out why she feels that's exactly what is happening in Armenia right now because of this, uh, God, it's more than decades, it's maybe even centuries old, um, battle between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Um, they're battling over land. It's a land dispute at its at the core of it. But what's happening what's is they're happening. choking the supply chain for food, medical supplies, and other things and, that Armenia desperately needs. And she believes they're doing it. Azerbaijan is doing intentionally. it intentionally. So uh, this is what she, partly what she said to President Biden in this op-ed. As citizens, we are appealing to leaders such as President Biden, Secretary of State Blinken, and their colleagues to take a stand immediately. They must pressure Azerbaijan to open the corridor without preconditions. Now is the time for true leadership. We need for those who have a meaningful role in these affairs to immediately demand that the Lashin Corridor is opened to stop another genocide. So here's the problem, I think, with this, which is that the war in Ukraine um, has been kind of a divisive issue um, in America. I think probably the majority of people still support it, but there's a huge contingent that doesn't. And the problem is because we're putting so many resources into Ukraine right now, um, that I think it's, I think there's probably political peril mm -hmm. in the in any Although, administration that takes on another cause that's going to further create another, the divisiveness and might even 
compromise Ukraine. The However, support with Ukraine. She's not, it doesn't sound like she's talking about any military. No, I understand just, that. You know, diplomatic involvement. There's kind of an isolationist here. move in this country now. There's a little bit of an isolationist move in this country. And what happens is, if they, and, and honestly, I hope Kim prevails on this, right. but the more the administration gets involved in other areas, the more others are going to make a case against supporting places like Ukraine and elsewhere because they're saying we're doing too much elsewhere and not here. I just, you know, and I know what you're it's saying. Tough. And I know what you're saying that, that that those voices will be there. But when you're talking about genocide and there's oh, I agree with evidence you. that this is happening. Like it's I don't know how you don't act. And by the way, Kim has. It, it is interesting that she chose to write this op-ed and reach out to President Biden this way. There were people just a little over a week ago who were protesting um, outside her gated community, yeah. um, uh, you know, saying that we want you to get more involved in fighting against this genocide. So she clearly, I, I think, heard that those voices and is reacting to that. Yeah, and unlike Ukraine, I mean, she's not asking for billions of dollars to be sent there or anything. She's just saying, hey, cut foreign ties or stop foreign aid uh, for Azerbaijan and uh, and boycott any international events that may be happening there in the country, too. So I don't know if, if maybe because it, it seems like a lesser scale or a lesser ask, maybe both things can happen at once. But uh, but it's interesting, like you guys said, how all those people's were people were outside of her house and now she is taking the action. And in fairness to Kim, by the way, um, she has done a lot to oh, really put well, uh, a spotlight didn't on. Didn't she make it? She, made it she went very, to Armenia. Made it, went and made a big donation a few years ago. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what the number was, but yeah. it was a large number. Hi, my name is John. I'm from California, and I'm very happy Kim has consistently used her platform throughout the years, um, and she's passionate about Armenian issues. I definitely understand what Harvey and Charles are talking about with uh isolationism and whatnot, but uh, when you look at just uh, her emotions surrounding everything regarding this, it's it's hard to not see it from her perspective. So as long as it doesn't lead to a slippery slope of, we could get into a lot of details on what could go wrong as a result of pursuing um, interventionism. But uh, I, I got to stand with Kim because understand she's really deeply passionate about her ancestry and all the issues surrounding it. So I agree with her. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, we are going to, we're going to go to Rome. We're, well, not Rome. We're going to go to Vatican, Vatican City. Vatican City. Exactly. Give him, give him, give him the props. I just gave him. Uh, uh, because uh, Sylvester Stallone made a visit to Vatican City uh, with his family and actually was granted an audience with his holiness. And uh, the, met with Pope Francis. And the interaction is Fabulous. It's kind of hilarious. Um, who do you think is the more starstruck one here? Um, this was <laughs> Stallone meeting the Pope. So good to meet you. This is my wife. Good morning, Holy Father. My daughters. Three. Three. Three men. Thank you. I'm honored. Oh, thank you. I'm honored too. We have grown up we grew up with your films. <laughs> Ready? We box. <laughs> I love the Pope is sparring with Sylvester Stallone, and he's a fan. I love this. Where do you think this has to rank among the honors that Stallone has received in his career, given the fact that he grew up Catholic, too? I mean, that has to be pretty cool to have the Pope come up to you and say, hey, we grew up on your films. I, that has to be at the top. 
It's un- it probably is. I mean, it's just the idea. Well, yeah. and also, the only thing that he might not like is when the Pope, who has got to be, what, in his mid-80s? Yeah, um, I was actually just thinking that. I wanted to look up. I grew up on your films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, grow, I know, growing up means know, different things for different people. But just the idea, <laughs> the Pope seemed starstruck by it him. was absolutely. That um, was awesome. Pretty cool. Awesome. Hey, what is up? My name is Nick LaRocco, representing Dirt Sheet Radio out of the Chicagoland area. I think, like you guys said, you know, is a battle of who's more starstruck than the other. And I think the Pope is just happy that it was Stallone he was shadowboxing with and not Mike Tyson. No, there you go. <laughs> there is a new sheriff in town in New York City. Um, actually, new mayor. Um, and uh, they are, have decided to crack down on something in New York City. We're not talking about crime. We're not talking about parking violations. We're Air talking about- Airbnbs? Airbnb. There are essentially no short-term Airbnb rentals allowed in New York City as this new law just took effect this week. Um, and there are all, short, all sorts of rules if you even want to rent it out long-term. So what is long-term and what's short-term? And how are they doing that with private residences is what I want to understand. Anything under- 30 days. 30 days is short term. So good luck finding an Airbnb in New York. Basically, if you find one, they're probably operating off the grid. And they're doing this because of the housing shortage. They want people. That's what the city well, Let's bring Damon in. because yes. I, I, there's a, so much money to follow here for Airbnb, for tourists, for the city. Uh, and, for what it might, and for what might happen in other cities. Yeah, indeed, because uh, there are other cities who are considering this. So joining us is Damon John. Help us follow the money like we do every week. Damon, how you doing, man? I am great. How are you? I'm a little bent out of shape here because I don't understand this. Already? I mean, I get the fact that that there is a housing shortage and everything else, but how are you saying to some private property owner, somebody who owns a, an apartment in New York City, that here's what you can do with your apartment. You can do this, but you can't do this. It just seems too invasive to me. I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, listen, I have a lot of respect for Mayor Adam, but I think it's uh, it's it's wrong. I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today if I wasn't able to rent out rooms in my home uh, when I was starting FUBU so I can, you know, pay the mortgage so that I can, you know, start my business. And isn't that the American dream to own something own some equity on something and be able to, whether you pull out financing from it or rent it out or whatever the case is, this is really something that the big hotels and big corporations are are pushing on people. And at this time, uh, the hotels are going up approximately anywhere from 25 to 40 percent in New York City. And so it's also squeezing families and people that uh, want to come visit the city. Hmm. Uh, so I, I think this is absolutely obnoxious. So let me just ask you a question. I, I'm this is my cynical side, that is it possible the hotels are behind this move? Because obviously Airbnb cuts into hotel business. So I know that the argument is because there's a housing shortage, you want people to rent for more than 30 days. But is it possible that's a subterfuge for hotels saying we got to get rid of these Airbnbs? I don't know. Let me think about that. 300 percent. 3,000 percent. I forgot. We're following the money. Right. right? So um, I think 3,000 percent. That's the matter. And that because they have the strength to come in as and listen, it's, it's corporations, organizations and it's saying, listen, 
We want to invest in New York City. We want to build more hotels, but your Airbnb situation is scaring us. But those the the the, the people that are going into these these hotels, they probably I mean to these Airbnbs, they probably can't afford some of those luxury hotels. Now there are a lot of uh, hotels that have short stays. I mean, we all seen it, right? Thirty thirty dollars, forty dollars, sixty dollars, and I think those organizations are really having a hard time because they're they're being splintered because of Airbnb. Do I think this is a total aspect of we want to crush a little guy and a little girl? No, but I think it's a politician saying, well, they only have violence over those little Airbnbs or complaints over there. No. You go out. You, I live in New York. I used to live in New York. Honestly, you go outside of those small hotels. There's always a problem there. Heavy, heavy drug use in a lot of those small hotels. So a lot of people who have these Airbnbs, they're also manning and saying, no, you can't come in and do those type of things. So I think it's really a problematic uh, uh, situation. I think it's really the hotel squeezing the everyday person who yeah. starts off at Airbnb and maybe they'll they'll raise up some flipping houses and go up and up and up. But this is a problem. Damon, do you think there'll be uh, people who basically operate as pirate Airbnbs? I mean, it's only yeah. it's only a problem if you get caught, and it's a big city. What are the chances you get caught? I know the fines can run anywhere from a thousand dollars to seventy five hundred, but maybe that's the risk you take, and that's the price of doing business. If you really need, I mean, to they make got so many problems in New York. The last, the police aren't going to start looking for Airbnb. Right. I think that's a good point, right? Listen, we have to man our communities and our cities, but you and we, we looked over several topics here to talk about. You have uh, in in New York and various places, you have them um, not stopping shoplifters, not putting people into jail for uh, you know for certain type of crimes. You have homeless and defecating on the streets. You have a lot of other issues. Is this really? going to be an issue that you want to tackle where somebody at least invested in a home and they're having somebody stay there. You know, uh, you have drug dens. All the bad places are still going to exist. The drug dens don't go, hi, uh, city, I'm going to register my drug den. So, you know, I, I think there's other issues they should be solving, but this is a squeeze on the everyday person by the large corporations uh, along with the politicians. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Oh. Thanks, Damon. Help. Thanks for helping us follow the money. This, this is going to become a big issue in New York. Uh, and by the first time they crack down on someone, you'll hear about it. Yeah, and I don't know if we have an answer to it, but we just told people, this is how you think. Follow yeah. the money. Here's what they're going to do. They're, there are going to be people bootlegging this and saying, look, you need to check in between 2 and 5 in the morning when it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a suitcase in then. <laughs> and make sure you have a hoodie right, a little, and a face mask. On, right? <laughs> the bad people always get around. It's going to be the good people. That right. That's, okay, that's Damon. All right. Thanks, Appreciate Damon. It. See you next week. Welcome back to TMZ Live. I am not one to say I told you so. I told you so. Yeah, you are <laughs> definitely one. Uh, and in this case, he can say so. So, Zach Bryan, if you missed the top of the show, uh, the country star was arrested. We broke the story that he was arrested in Oklahoma and arre arrested for obstruction. We now have the police report and, most importantly, I think, the bot uh, dash cam video so, that remember, shows we, elements of this. And we should say... That remember what he said when we started the show, he was saying, basically, he just said, when are you going to finish this? And all of a sudden he gets arrested and he's contrite kind of with the right. police officer. Well, now there's body cam video. Right. So just to reset this here, his, the, white, uh, the white vehicle you're seeing is his bodyguard who had been pulled over by police. Zach pulls up in his, uh, his black pickup truck and is he's right, right by the cop. He's like, what's going on? Why is this taking so long? Um, and the cop says, Lay, you got to get back in your truck. So here's how it plays out and why he ends up in handcuffs 
and then says a lot more to the police officer than he ever said in his apology call video. Bob. You need to get back in your truck because you're interfering with the officer and discharge of duties right now. You need to get back in your truck or go to jail. I don't care which. I'll go to jail. I'm done. All right. This is why people do not like police officers. I would get back in my truck right now if you let me out of these handcuffs. If you don't, it's going to be a mistake, sir. I promise. You know, I know every high point, I know every sheriff in Tulsa. Okay. I let 40 of them go to my BAK show. You know, I know you don't give a but like, this is just insane. I didn't say that. Second time it's happened in three days. He's out of hand, truly. Well, okay, first of all, I know every I know every cop every I, cop in Tulsa. Forty of them went to my show concert. It's essentially saying, and he said, and you're going to say you're making a big mistake if you take me to jail. And to say this is why people hate cops. That's a big wow. line for country fans. Yeah, I mean, look, he mentioned in his mea culpa, as you said, that he got lippy. But now we're seeing the words that he used, and he made a bad situation get much, much worse for himself. He's clearly very agitated, sitting in that seat. And when he says he knows 40 cops, the only way you can interpret that, or 40 sheriffs in Tulsa, is that he was trying to get out of this by saying, "I know people." Higher in high you, places, so. yeah. yeah. And yeah. let's not forget that in the police sport, we now see that he, he said also he knew said the mayor. He could, he would call the mayor. His father gets on the phone and says he was going to call the governor. The governor. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> this was pulling out all the stops. And 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 you know, when when we talked about this originally, Charles, can you uh, when you look at that video? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we thought, okay, maybe he's just standing away. Right. Why is the cop making he, him get back in the car? Because he's right there. Pulled him right next he's to the right car. I'm there. I was defending Zach Bryan saying there's no reason to arrest this guy because he made it sound like he was very passively standing, right. you know, away from them during this traffic stop. He's right on top of the cop. I, I, I get it. So I let's just get it now, seeing it and hearing what the police side of this. I, Let's talk about the PR side for a second, because I think that's really interesting. It, it's it like is. When you come out with something like that, and his, you know- His video apology. With a video apology. Right. And you know that it's not gonna ring true. It's like, what a bad idea. Right, and you're right. There's probably some publicist, publicist or someone who said, Somebody. you know what, you gotta get out there and do this apology because you got to be, you're pro-law enforcement. And Remember? by the way, the, maybe gotta, the publicist probably did it based on what he said, obviously. That's also true. Right. Yeah. And in some sense, I think it did blunt the impact of this. This was going to come out no. regardless, but what he said was, I got a little lippy and I'm very sorry. He fell on his sword. You remember the no, apology? No, no, but, but, but it did the opposite. That's did a the bad opposite. move if you know that, if, if you're not telling the full truth and then the full truth comes out, You've made it worse. You made it way worse. Right, and that, that's why when you hear people say that you should not say anything, this was a case where, based on what we now know with this dash cam video and the police report, Zach Bryan would have been way better saying absolutely nothing, waiting until it came out, and then apologize. That's right. But because now he's just, he's crying a lie. Yeah. Hi, my name is Zach Ross, calling from Porterville, California. And, um, you know, it'll be different. It feels a little, it was like a couple miles over the speed limit, but he was way over the speed limit. Well, no, no, that was his, well, that's his, that, bodyguard. That's his bodyguard that was yeah, over the, the speed limit. The bodyguard was over the speed limit. His problem, is, his problem was interfering with the police officer. You, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. So his bodyguard was he in the wrong. But also another thing, too, is um, being a country singer, I think you got to keep your fan base in mind with some of your public actions, too, because yeah, no kidding. You know, being a country 
here. I think his fan base is going to give him a hard time over this. No yes. kidding. Okay, we got, play well. we got to move on. Yes, uh, to Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner's divorce. And someone who is really... Just reeling. Is absolutely reeling over this. Uh, that would be the person who married them. Uh, the Elvis who married them. Uh, you may not remember, but when they got married, they did a, a Vegas wedding, and they had an Elvis officiant. Which looked really fun, by the way. It was. It was, it was a good time back, way back in 2019. Better times for them, obviously. Um, but uh, we spoke to the Elvis impersonator who married them. He said he would never, ever, ever have imagined this. Remember, this guy has probably seen how many countless Weddings, right. right? And this was a particularly fun wedding. I remember right. when we did this story. And he just, he right. thought it was all going to last forever, right? Here's why he's blindsided by the news. I understand that, uh, unfortunately, they are not married anymore. I'm just heartbroken and sad and just distraught over this whole thing. Uh, they seemed like they was going to make it. They seemed like a couple in love and uh, very playful with each other. And, uh, yeah, I thought, I'm really, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that, 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 that it's over, so to speak. But uh, maybe I don't know how hard he hung in there like he should have hung in there. You know, you know, you got to be go through all that stuff. But it's a pretty short marriage, if you ask me. I don't know if he gave it his all, but hey, it ain't my business. I don't know. I'm just saying from the outside looking in, uh, he could try a little harder, man. It's only a couple of years here, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Could have tried a couple more years. It was four years. I mean, you know, some people think that's a lot. Obviously, Elvis doesn't. Um, but. I, what what person officiating a wedding is going to think, oh, that's going to end in divorce? Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> I, well, maybe some No, people. sometimes yeah, they might. Yeah, sometimes you go. Yeah. Okay. The U.S. Open, um, <laughs> you know, people show up expecting to see tennis. Well, they got uh, more than they bargained for last night, and they were not happy about it. During Coco Golf's match, which she eventually won, um, there were some protesters who disrupted the match for 45 minutes. They stopped down the match. They had to call in police. They had to call in uh, medical uh, paramedics. They had to call in security. And this was all over climate change. Yes. Yeah, so a group was there protesting climate change. They were shouting out different things. The biggest disruption was the fact that one of the protesters actually glued himself to the ground. That's why they had to bring in paramedics to be able to free him without. And so it raises an issue. Did they help the cause, hurt the cause, gain support, lose support? And this has kind of been an age-old issue. We talk uh, about it a lot with like PETA. With PETA, but, but this one was, uh, was a, such a huge venue that um, right. what, did it do, the, what did it do for the cause? That's the question. And, and by the way, they they know that as well that it's a huge venue. They did it during Coco Golf, who is the, everybody's the tennis player that everybody's, at, everybody's looking, looking at. at. So was it effective? Well, there's someone who's actually uh, is writing a book about this very uh, topic when it relates to, as it relates to climate change and protests. She is a sociology professor at American University. Uh, professor Dana Fisher is joining us right now. Uh, professor Fisher, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you for having me. So um, give us your take on. What this did for the climate protest movement, other than extending the match, yeah. also. Uh, what well, did it, it certainly do? it certainly extended the match, right? Give everybody a little time to recover before they played more. Um, beyond that, with regard to the movement, I mean, the movement is much broader than what we call the radical flank, which is people who are engaging in civil disobedience, like gluing themselves at events and throwing food 
yelling, interrupting, stopping traffic, et cetera. But the importance of this kind of tactic is that it's getting us all talking about the climate crisis and it's getting a lot of people thinking about it. Now it is divisive, it is polarizing. This kind of a tactic is not you know, something that's popular at all, but it does help to raise awareness about the issue, which is exactly what these activists were hoping to do. Well, that makes it sound like you're saying it succeeded then. Oh, absolutely. Well, it, I, I'm on CMZ Live for the first time ever because <laughs> that's a I mean, fair point. Even Coco Goff said at the at, she was asked about it after the match and said that she can't really be mad at them. I mean, she's acknowledging she's I can't be mad at them. Climate change is is a thing. And so she didn't want to I think maybe she was just walking a line, but she didn't want to say they were out of line. But when you glue yourself to the ground, now you are you're taking it to a point where aside from risking harming yourself, now you're just making everybody's lives miserable there who have paid money to do something else. I feel like you're pissing off a lot of people and that's maybe going against what you want. Absolutely, it is disrupting people's lives as usual. It's disrupting their opportunity to experience sport, you know, and to watch a sport. The argument in counter to that is that the world is on fire. We have this huge hurricane, unprecedented, burling, you know, hurling yeah. towards the East Coast right now. It's over 100 degrees here in D.C. today. There is a climate crisis and it's worsening. And the science has been telling us that for a long time. And these activists are, have decided to put themselves on the line to get attention for it and disrupt everybody's lives. Now, just note, and I, I just want to highlight here, these activists chose to do something that didn't harm anybody. And while it did make everybody's lives a little bit less pleasant for 45 minutes, they ended up getting to see the game. The point here really for these folks whom I'm calling the shockers in my new book is that they are actually trying to shock and disrupt everybody's lives and get media attention so that we start talking about climate change. And I just wanna say that Coco's response to this is textbook radical flank, which is, I support the issue. I'm not sure I support the tactic. And some people who feel that way, research shows, are actually gonna go out and look for a more moderate group to support, which is part of how that worked during the Vietnam War, which is how it worked during the civil rights period, and which is how it's going to work during you know, the, this climate movement as well. Yeah, huh, all right. Really fascinating. I, I can't I, wait for your book. I, just, I wonder what the time, like my point was you could make your point in 15 minutes and I would feel, I would walk away from the match remembering that that happened. You can't glue yourself once you glue yourself. Somebody. <laughs> right. Well, let me, let, me, let me say this. Okay, so Charlie, did you know that there was a big disruption that happened at the Open here in Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago? I did not exactly. know there was a tennis match in, in D.C. So we have an Open here in D.C. and activists from um, Climate Defiance, I believe. Actually, I'm not sure if it was Climate Defiance, so I don't want to say that, but there, was a, there were activists here. They did a banner drop. They disrupted, they yelled the exact same thing that was done at the US Open last night, but they did not glue themselves, and so they were dismissed within 15 minutes, and nobody heard about it. Huh. Well, I, I think, interesting. but I think that's a case of venue, because that's no. a much smaller match that people, that doesn't get the attention. But it's an interesting point, Yeah, that the, the, the bigger the disruption, the more the attention. Exactly, and that is why we're gonna see an escalation in tactic. All right. And wow. I can tell you, when Climate Week happens in New York City in a week and a half, keep your eyes peeled. I expect we'll be seeing a lot more of this. When All does right. your book come out? I want to read this. So my book comes out in early 2024, 
It's called Saving Ourselves from Climate Shocks to Climate Action. And it talks all about this expanding radical flank. And I would be happy to send you a, uh, a copy of the proofs if you'd like to see it. I really want to read Excellent. this book. I, I, I find this fascinating. I I, it's the most important issue right now, right? Absolutely agree it with you. It certainly feels like it if you're outside anywhere in this country. Professor, thanks for the time. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. That 70s show star Danny Masterson is behind bars and will be for a long, long time. If you did not hear the news, he was sentenced yesterday uh, for a rape case, uh, two rapes actually, and got 30 years to life. Um, and there are already concerns about his uh, mental state uh, as he has begun serving his time. He was remanded immediately in court and now police are concerned um, they are, I mean, they are watching this is him. A suicide watch. They are watching him very, very closely, and they're not using that word. Right. But they're talking about mental health. They're seeing if there's any uh, signs of distress behind bars. They don't want to happen to him what we've seen happen to other high-profile yes. celebrities, and so they are essentially watching him 24/7. Yeah, and in addition to watching him, they're also uh, plotting an appeal. His lawyer, Sean Hawley, came out and said that they are absolutely going to appeal this decision. They said that it was wrongly decided. Um, and so, you know, which obviously gives, in addition to pursuing all of his rights, it also gives, hopefully, a, a convicted person some hope uh, that, they may, that, they may, uh, that they may not end up serving the time. And by the way, the appeal is kind of interesting because, remember, he was in, this was, there was a, this was the second trial. The first trial, there was a hung jury, but it was hung in favor of acquittal. And so what happened in the second trial, the same judge presided over the second trial, that judge let in a lot of evidence that she didn't let in in, in the first, first trial. trial. Right. And that's going to be the centerpiece, I think, of this appeal. And it's going to be interesting to see what the right. appeals why, court says why, about that. Why were all those things admitted the second time around? And not the first. Right. Nathan Britton in Virginia. Um, yeah, this is a crazy story. And the appeal sounds like it's going to be super long-winded and interesting. And you know that this is uh, unfortunate for the victims because, you know, it's something they just want to be able to put behind them and, and, you know, not have to deal with this anymore and kind of get closure. So you just hope that it can go smoothly, everything can go through. And, and if he is, in fact, guilty and he gets found guilty again, you know, he's going to serve his time and uh, they can get closure and, He's going to have to deal with the you know, consequences of his actions. Yep, we will see. Yeah. So this appeal is going to be interesting. Uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? This is Ray from L.A. I'm commenting on Zach Bryan, who got into this <laughs> scuffle with the police. I just want to say, Zach, don't worry about it. As a country music lover, this makes for a good song. The hit's going to be like, I was riding down the road, got those coppers on my tail. They say I'm going too fast, but I was just moving like a snail. And he can just kind of go from there with it, you know? <laughs> hey, we'll, we we'll, we'll forward that to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah put, put, put a little guitar behind that. Work on it a little, though. Yeah. Uh, one more. Hi, this is Laura from Michigan. Um, my topic was the Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion song. Um, I love it. The music, the hats, the beats. This is a great, fresh Dumbo and funk sound, which is kind of a new direction for Cardi B. And I find it really interesting, and I can't wait to see what she does with it in the future. Yeah, I'm just wondering what the next one is. She's pretty much gotten most of the body parts. Uh, yeah, there's, no, <laughs> there's nothing left to explore. 
Well, Rihanna and ASAP Rocky have a full house of R's. They do. Um, There's like the Kardashians. Yeah, they uh, obviously, uh, we have Rihanna, uh, ASAP, whose real name is Rakim, and then their first child was Riza. So everyone was waiting to find out the new baby boy, what his name is, and it does stick with tr the tradition. His name is Riot. Riot, and the middle name is interesting, is Rose. Riot Rose Mayers. I love the name Riot. I think it is really cool. Riza and Riot. I love Riot. That's it's, it's a nice pairing there, Riza and Riot. Rose, I'm not sure. Yeah. Rose, I'm not sure. But nobody ever really uses their middle name. Uh, I mean, do we need to bring yours up? My middle name is Robert. It's, I, could be in the, I could be in Rihanna's family. Your middle it name was Pierre Pontel. No, my parents were, it was between Harvey and that. Oh, it was going to be Pierre so Pontel actually, or Harvey. So I actually won. So you won. <laughs> good for you. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday.